Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome back to another episode of Juma Nights. Today we're going to be covering a new topic and we're going to be starting a new series with regards to Bara'a. It's one of our Furu'ad-Din. That's with regards to the disassociation that we should show as Shia towards the enemies of Ahl al-Bayt And in the second section, as the Juma reflection section, we're going to be speaking about the etiquettes that we should have in the majalis of Ahl al-Bayt So without further ado, let's get straight into the first talk. So these days in the Shia communities, Bara'a has become a very controversial discussion, something that a lot of people are always talking about. You've got two extremes that you see. You've got the first side of people that are very flowery, very pluralist. They're like, you know, we shouldn't show any hatred. Islam is a religion of peace. We shouldn't show any hatred towards anybody, um, including the enemies of Ahl al-Bayt and then there's the other extreme who make Bara'a essentially their entire religion. They make, they make it their whole personality. They, they're so excited that they can't wait to send La'na on every single person that they come across. They just look for a single reason so that they can say, I'm going to send La'na on this person. Right? So let's take a balanced look at the concept of Bara'a in the Quran and in the narrations of Ahl Bayt Today, it's going to be an introductory episode. So... A lot of you may already be familiar with the concepts that we go through, but this is a very important part of the journey um, that we're going to go through with regards to Bara'a. So make sure you bear with me if you already know and understand some of the concepts that I go through today. So what's important to look at when we're speaking about the concept of Bara'a is the philosophy of Bara'a. Why does this concept exist in our religion and how should it translate from belief to action? Because that's what's most important, right? If you have something that you believe, yeah, that then translates and it becomes action. As we know from the hadith of the imams, they say that iman is in three categories. The iman of the heart, which is that which you believe in your heart. And the iman of the tongue, which is that which you say on your tongue. And then there's the iman of your limbs, right? That which you do and the, the actions that you take as per iman. So those are the three um, parts of Iman, right? So this is no different. Bara'a is something that we hold in our hearts, we say on our tongues, and it should also translate into our actions. And that's the highest level of Bara'a that we should all aspire to reach. Starting off in Islam, we have the basic foundation of Tawheed, right? In our Shahada, when we say that we bear witness with regards to Allah, what do we say? We say, La ilaha illallah. So we begin first with a negation. We say, La ilaha. We say, There is no deity worthy of worship, illallah, except for Allah. So we begin with the negation first, and then we affirm that Allah is the only one worthy of being worshipped. This is why we find in some reports about a debate that Imam Sadiq had with the opponents. That he asked the opponents, he says, do you know of a sentence of which the start of it is kufr and the second part of it is iman? The opponent would respond saying, no, I don't know of a sentence in that manner. Can you please inform us? So Imam al-Sadiq would respond. He would say it is the statement, la ilaha illallah. Why? Because the beginning of it is kufr. We're saying that there is no God worthy of worship. And then the second part of it is where we affirm and we say, Illallah, and that is the Iman in that sentence. Why is this important? Why is the negation come 
prior to the affirmation. The reason for this is because philosophically, before we accept something as truth and certainty, we have to negate every other possibility that is possible. So for example, if one was to say, I believe in Allah, but I also believe in the idols of Quraysh as being lords and also being gods, what does that result in? That results in you believing in Allah and believing in the teachings of Allah and it also results in you believing in the idols of Quraysh, for example, Allah or Al-Uzza and also following the teachings that are ascribed to that idol. So what does that, con that, what does that actually result in? It concludes in a confused worldview. On one hand, you're going to have these teachings and on another hand, you're going to have those teachings and both of them to you are God. Right? So then when you find that contradiction, that is what's going to lead to your confused worldview. And that's why shirk is one of the greatest sins in Islam. Because it is what leads to you having confusion. The same way if someone was to say, I believe in Rasulullah Muhammad as the messenger of Allah. But I also believe that Musaylama al-Kadhab is also a prophet. What does that lead to? Again, a confused worldview. You're taking teachings from Muhammad وسلم, and you're also taking teachings from Musaylama al-Kadhab and now you've got confusion in your, in your understanding of your teachings, of your methodology, right? And that is also a level of shirk. That is shirk in prophethood because now you have put another person alongside Rasulullah who does not have that status and you've created some, a level of confusion. Then we go a stage further. Because we've already spoken about the phase of ta'wil, whereby now the imam of your time becomes your deen, becomes the only principle um, of your religion, right? When you take someone as your imam, for example, you take Imam Ali والسلام, as your imam, but you also accept the um, uh, legitimacy of a leadership other than Imam Ali والسلام, then what does that create? That creates confusion again, right? And there are examples of groups and factions like this who try to do that and what did the imam say about them the imam would say that these people they have mixed between our affairs but that's something that we're going to speak about later on in a later episode but the point is here that that level of shirk that level of confusion it also extends to imama and where do we find this we have a hadith from imam sadiq mentioned originally in tafsir al-qummi by ali ibn ibrahim but today I'm going to be reading for you from Tafsir al-Safi from uh, the third volume of the edition that I have on page number 265. Imam Sadiq is speaking with regards to an ayah in Surah Fussilat. He says here with regards to the ayah that says وَوَيْلٌ لِلْمُشْرِكِينَ And woe be to the polytheists لَا يُؤْتُونَ الزَّكَاةِ Those who do not give zakat وَهُمْ بِالْآخِرَةِهُمْ كَافِرُونَ And those who in the hereafter are Disbelievers. So Imam Sadiq he says to one of his companions, Do you see here that Allah is asking the mushrikeen to pay zakat? And why does he he highlight this? Because obviously, as we know, people that are not Muslims, they aren't obliged or they aren't expected to, for example, pray the salah or, or fast or give the zakat or any of the things that a Muslim is mukallaf by. Because the, the, the disbeliever, he's not aware of these things. He hasn't been given the hujjah with regards to this. So he's not expected to actually uh, do these things. So Imam Sadiq is highlighting that to his companion. He's saying, do you see that Allah is asking the mushrikeen to pay zakat? The companions that were around Imam Sadiq when he highlighted this point, 
they were in a bit of confusion. They wanted further explanation with regards to this. It says here, Can you explain this ayah for us, O son of Rasulullah? Imam Sadiq he says, He says, that will be onto the polytheists who committed shirk, who committed polytheism with their first imam. I.e. they took other people to be their imam other than Imam Ali And he calls them mushrikeen. He's saying that the ayah in the Quran, he's speaking about them. And then it says, It says that the ayah where it says, is referring to the imams that come after. They're kafirun in the imams that come after. And of course, with regards to the phase of ta'wil and what we spoke about, um, in the previous episodes with regards to the kufr in the stage of ta'wil and the sahib of ta'wil this makes complete sense and it, it, it completely um, comes into that picture it, it, it fits exactly into that puzzle um, and the explanations that we've already spoken about with regards to the phase of ta'wil so the imam here he basically affirms that there is a level of shirk in imama as well right and that comes about without having a level of bara'a. This is what causes the confusion. If you're not able to have bara'a from those who are upon falsehood, it leads to it leads to this level of confusion and this shirk that the Quran speaks about and the Imams explain in the Ahadith alayhi salatu Then we take the example of the Quran. You open up the Quran, the first surah that you have is Surah Al-Fatiha. What does Allah say? Allah teaches us to say, اهدنا الصراط المستقيم Guide us towards the straight path. So he says, guide us to the straight path. The path of those who you have given your ni'mah to, your bounty to. And not on the path of those who you have descended your wrath upon them and those who are misguided. This is a clear example of tawalli and tabarri in the Quran as soon as you open it. It's saying here that... Guide us on the right path. What did we speak about in our episode when we were speaking about the narrations of Ghadir? What did Rasulullah say? Rasulullah says, Ana suratullah al-mustaqim. I am the path of Allah which is straight. Thumma aliyun min ba'di. Then is Ali after me. Right? So the suratullah al-mustaqim that Allah is speaking about in the first surah of the Quran, the first chapter of the Quran, is speaking about the path of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam and Amir al-Mu'mineen and Ahlul Bayt from a primary lens and then secondly from those who have been given this ni'mah yeah which ni'mah is this again this is the ni'mah of wilaya Allah says in the Quran ni'mati I have now completed my favor and my bounty upon you this is the ni'mah that is being speaking that is being spoken about here when it says sirat alladhina an'amta alayhim those righteous shi'a those who followed in the footsteps of amir al-mu'minin and the ahl bayt alayhim salatu wassalam those are the people that of of the path that we want to be on ghayr al-maghdubi alayhim waladhalin not those who allah's wrath is upon his anger is upon and those who are misguided and these people are who? These are the enemies of Ahlul Bayt. These are the people that are misguided themselves and they misguided other people with them. So this is where we have a clear example of Tawali and Tabarri straight away in the Quran. As soon as you open it, this is the first surah of the Quran. And Allah is teaching you that there is a good path, a path of light and a path of darkness. And you 
as a Muslim, is obligatory upon you to say that I want to be guided towards the path of light and keep me away from the path of darkness. That is one of the um, examples of bara'a that we find in the Quran. To not lengthen the explanation too much, let's take two examples from the Quran where the bara'a is being mentioned as an explicit concept so that we can learn something from these verses of the Quran. Allah says in verse number 165 of Surah Al-Baqarah after the Basmala, He says, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَتَخِذُ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ أَنْدَادًا يُحِبُّونَهُمْ كَحُبِّ اللَّهِ he says that they are from the people that take other than Allah as equals to him and they love them the same way that they love Allah. And those who believe are actually more fierce and more intensive in their love for Allah. He says if only those who had been unjust would see the punishment, they would know that the power was for Allah completely and that Allah's punishment is indeed severe. Then Allah says, إِذْ تَبَرَّأَ الَّذِينَ تُبِعُوا مِنَ الَّذِينَ تَبَعُوا وَرَأُوا الْأَذَابَ وَتَقَتَّأَتْ بِهِمُ الْأَسْبَابِ He says, when those that are followed would disown or disassociate from those who followed them, they would disown them upon seeing the punishment and their ties between them and those who followed them would be would be cut. Then it says, look at what the followers would say after that. It says, وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ تَبَعُوا لَوْ أَنَّ لَنَا كَرَّةً فَنَتَبَرَّأْ مِنْهُمْ كَمَا تَبَرَّأُوا مِنَّا He said, they say that the ones that followed those, those people that are now disassociating from them, they would say that if we were to be given another chance, another return to the world, we would have disassociated from them the same way that they have now disassociated from us. And this is how Allah shows them their actions. And they will not be taken out of the hellfire. Why? Because they lacked in bara'a. They lacked in the disassociation from people that they should have disassociated from. Why did this lead them to the hellfire? Because from their foundations, they didn't know who to ally with and who to disassociate from. Right? And this is what led them to hellfire. But they'll find out when it's too late. And that's when they'll be saying, we wish we had bara'a from these people. We wish we recognized them for what they were. And we were able to have bara'a so that we would be saved on this day. But now it's too late. Allah is saying that they will not be taken out of the hellfire. And when we look at the tafsir of Imam al-Askari with regards to this verse, what does he say? He says that this is speaking about those who misled the ummah after the death of Rasulullah. They'll be saying... Those that followed them will be on the Day of Judgment saying that we wish that we had disassociated from them the same way that they're disassociating from us now. But at that point it will be too late. They wouldn't have recognized the truth of the wilayah of Amir Mu'mineen because of their ignorance, because they didn't look into and, and they didn't strengthen their foundations with regards to the religion of Allah and the sayings of Rasulullah sallallahu and this is a clear example of why tabarra is so important in our religion. It's so important to have an understanding with, with regards to what is good, the path of light and the path of darkness. Because when you are ignorant as to who you should have bara'a from and who you should have wala towards, then on the day of judgment, 
lest you would be from these people that allied with the incorrect people. And for that reason, you followed them into hellfire. You followed them, why? You followed them in their method, in their understandings of things. You followed them in their actions, right? And that's what would lead you to hellfire with them. Moving on to another verse of the Quran where we speak about bara'a. In the last verse of Surah Al-Mujadila, verse number 22 after the Basmala, Allah says, لا تجد قوما يؤمنون بالله واليوم الآخر يوادون من حاد الله ورسوله ولو كانوا آباءهم أو أبناءهم أو إخوانهم أو أشيرتهم Allah says, you'll never find a people who believe in Allah and the last day, speaking about the Yawm Al-Qiyamah, Showing love and kindness towards those who take a stance against Allah and His Messenger. Even if those people were to be their fathers or their, or their children or their brothers or people from their tribe. Allah praises the ones who don't do this. He says, He says that those are the people that Allah has written in their hearts belief. And He has helped them with a spirit from Him. وَيُدْخِلُهُمْ جَنَّاتٍ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارُ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ وَرَضُوا عَنْ أُولَٰئِكَ حِزْبُ اللَّهِ أَلَا إِنَّ حِزْبَ اللَّهِ هُمُ الْمُفْلِهُونَ He says due to this characteristic he will then enter them into paradise and Allah will be pleased with them for their understanding and their lack of kindness and love towards those who have been harsh towards Allah and His Messenger. Of course this is not to say that the Quran and the Ahlul Bayt teach us to not mix with people who don't believe what we believe, right? Of course, in the Quran as well, Allah clarifies this in other verses of the Quran where He says, for example, in verse number 8 of Surah Al Mumtahana, He says, Bismillah Rahman Rahim, La yanhakum Allahu anil ladina lam yuqatilukum fi din wa lam yukhrijukum min diyarikum. He says Allah does not prohibit you from those who have not fought you in the religion and have not taken you out of your houses for you to show kindness and justice towards them. Indeed Allah likes those who show justice. So Allah here is saying that I'm not speaking about all the people that don't believe the things that you believe. He's speaking about those specifically who are fighting you in, in your religion, who are taking you out of your houses, who have taken a clear stance against Allah and His Messenger. And we find, you see, in the next ayah, Allah says, He says that Allah only prohibits you and prevents you from being kind and showing love towards those who have fought you in your religion, who have taken you out of your houses and they would like from that for you to ally with them. And whoever allies with them after this, those people are the unjust, they are the oppressors. So here we get this idea that when we're talking about bara'a, we're talking about not the average people that don't agree with that which you believe in. This is speaking about those who show hate towards your religion, towards Allah, towards the Messenger, towards the Ahl al-Bayt those that we would refer to as Nawasib. The Nawasib are not people that we should sit and we should laugh and we should, um, should have uh, friendly relations with. Those are people that we should stay away from and this is what the Quran is speaking about on a philosophical level. The conclusion is what? The philosophy of behind this concept of bara'a is that we should have an understanding about what is the path of light and the path of darkness. I'm going to keep on referring to that term, that concept, 
because this is where this this whole idea of tawalli and tabari comes from the path of light and the path of darkness so allah here he wants you to know that which you believe that which is good and that which you don't believe in that which is falsehood right that will help us to stay away from confusion in our worldviews that shirk that we spoke about in the beginning that causes confusion where you don't know what to believe and what not to believe right that's one of the primary functions of bara and towards Ahlul And the final thing is that you should know that this isn't to be shown to everybody. This is something that has been given to you with principles. You're not supposed to go around and just show bara' from everybody, right? How it, how it has been explained in the Quran and the narrations of Ahlul is to not show kindness to those who harbor enmity towards Ahlul But as for those who have a different opinion, who believe different things to us, then we should be welcoming them and showing them the beauty of the religion of Ahlul Bayt So Islam doesn't teach you to not mix with people that don't share your faith. It just teaches you to stay away from those who harbor enmity towards your faith, those who wish to wage war against the Islam, against Allah, the Messenger and the Ahlul Bayt So to conclude this episode with this week's Jum'ah Reflections, we're going to be speaking about the etiquettes of Majalis, right? So when we're talking about Muharram, you're coming to the Husayniyyah, what are the basic things that all of you have in mind? Already you have wear black, make sure that you are ready to mourn Aba Abdullah, you're ready for the, the tears to come, you're ready for the Latum, you're ready for poetry um, and after that, really and truly, there isn't much that is on a lot of our minds. But what are things that we do need to keep on our mind when we're coming to these majalis, these blessed events where the Shia of Ahlul Bayt they gather to commemorate the Ahlul Bayt The first thing is to make sure you are in a state of sadness throughout. This is one of the etiquettes of Muharram in, in, in itself. Some of the Imams والسلام, we find in the narrations that they would be in a state of sadness completely throughout. They would be in a state of grief in Muharram. You would not see them smile. You would not see them making jokes. And the Imams والسلام, they were people that were that were um, that were friendly. They were approachable, right? But during this time, this was a special time where they would truly they would they would engross themselves in grief and those are our examples those are the imams of ahl bayt and they know best how to mourn their grandfather imam al-hussein so that is something that we need to always keep in mind a lot of the time we come out of the majlis there's been an like a, a heart-wrenching masaib the the lathmiya has been very very like heartbreaking and then you come out and suddenly you're you're cracking jokes with your friends it's like You've gone from one extreme to another extreme Just make sure that you, you maintain that seriousness And honestly I say this to myself Before I say that to anybody else Because sometimes it's so easy To, to come out of the majlis And to completely just forget where you've come out of and what you have just listened to so that's advice first and foremost to myself before i tell anybody else that another thing is respecting the program respect the quran recitation at the beginning a lot of the time it's like the quran's going on inside the, we come to the majalis a lot of the time what we've come for is for the majlis we've come for the latmiya right so the stuff at the beginning we're just like oh it doesn't matter like you know i can i can chill outside for a bit while that's going on but 
that's not how we should be treating the majority, especially the Quran, right? When the recitation of Quran is going on, Allah says in the Quran that if the Quran is recited, then listen carefully to it. Listen to it carefully and make sure that you ponder on the words of the Quran. That's the whole point of the Quran, right? That when it's, when it's recited, it should be listened to. It should be pondered on, upon. And that's why this majalis, these majalis that we hold for Imam al-Hussein, Imam al-Hussein, his message is completely in line with the Quran. It is the Quran that will help us to understand Imam al-Hussein more and Imam al-Hussein that would help us to explain and understand the Quran more as well. This is the words of Rasulullah about the Thaqalain, that the Quran and the Ahl bayt they go hand in hand together. So we have to ensure that we are giving it that importance and the recitation uh, that is going on in the masajid is not being listened to five, by, by five people while you're chilling outside. No, we need to make sure that we're there at the beginning. We need to give that person as well who's prepared their recitation the respect that they deserve in, in the recitation of the Quran. And leading on from that, the preparation that lecturers go through. Lecturers are preparing for hours and hours and hours on end. They're, they're giving 10 nights of majalis. A lot of the time, they're having to prepare so so many hours for them to come and sometimes they're reciting something and you feel like oh you know what this is a dead topic this is i'm not really relating to this it's a bit boring so you're not really listening you're on your phone you're speaking to your friends but that person that that sheikh has gone and he has given his time he's really put thought into this so at the, the, the least that we can do is we can give him the time of day and we can listen and take in what he has to give us, right? Because a lot of the time, these people, they have really, a lot of the time, that speaker will have thought of a, a topic over the 10 nights. He, he's got a journey that he wants to take you on. So guess what? You didn't listen on the first or the second or the third night. And then on the fourth night, you don't know what's going on. You're listening and you don't even understand what the topic is about because you haven't even been listening for the last three days. So then that's messed up your whole atmosphere. Now you're not going to understand the fifth night or the sixth night. And that's because you weren't able to give them the attention that was required in the, in the beginning. So make sure that that is at the top of your mind. First of all, because of the respect of the speaker, you need to show respect to that person and the knowledge and that which they have come to impart you with. And secondly, also for your own benefit, because those majalis are for your own benefit. This is your morning and your connection with Abba Abdullah. So make sure that that, that part of the majlis is, is given its due respect and its due importance by yourself. Last thing is common sense, but I feel like it needs to be said, right? When you're leaving the Husseiniya, and for example, there's been tabarok, there's been food, or you've had your chai and you've had your little plastic cup, don't leave a mess. That, that it, it, it sounds like such a common sense thing, but unfortunately, there are still instances and occasions where people are leaving mess in the Husseiniyat. People are leaving mess outside the Husseiniyat. That, that shouldn't be you. At the very least, if, if, um, if you want to serve Imam Hussein and you want to give even the smallest level of service at one of his majalis, when you see a bit of, uh, of garbage or you see a bit of litter on the ground, make sure you're the one to pick it up. Make sure you're the one to throw that in the bin. And that's such a common sense thing. But unfortunately, it's, it's something that sometimes we miss. And it is very easy to leave a plastic cup lying around somewhere. But make sure you're not that person. And if you do see anything lying around, make sure you're the person that goes to clean it up. Because cleanliness is half of our faith. 
and cleanliness is something that has been very um, emphasized upon by the Ahlul Bayt and that should be our um, identity as Shia Muslims we should be the top of the game in every aspect right and cleanliness is such a basic like necessary aspect of that and that's why we need to make sure that we're at the top of the game in that I hope you have enjoyed this week's episode and that you've been able to get some benefit inshallah from the first section and the second section stay tuned inshallah next week we're going to be carrying on the series with regards to bara'a and i'll see you again next week wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh